This is Lori Frary, and welcome to Pressure Valve. No long intros, just long content. Hi, this is Lori back again with a new episode of Pressure Valve. And today I am speaking with an old friend from probably five, six years ago named Philip Drzhenin. And he is from Russia and he spent some time in the United States as a child. And so I think he speaks excellent English and I hope that you can understand him as well as I can. And we're going to talk about a lot of different topics and basically just do a catch up after all these years and um, just see where it goes. We don't always agree. And I love that about Philip. And uh, I think he appreciates that about me. So we're going to talk about some of the topics of world events and politics, culture, what people believe and don't believe and why they believe it and just see where that goes. So welcome, Philip. Yeah. Thanks for inviting Lori. And uh, I'd like to invite you to my channel sometimes when you, when you have time too. And uh, yes, of course, I would like to talk about all the stuff that probably came uh, to our attention during this period that we didn't contact. So we'd be fine. That's awesome. Um, Okay, so since we're kind of connected on social media more than anything, and because we live on two sides of the earth and have grown up in totally different cultures, but a similar culture with regards to pop culture on the internet, um, we also grew up both under Cold War politics and propaganda, We both were indoctrinated with our countries and cultural beliefs and expectations and, and all of that. So beyond the cultural divide and the political divide, we came together a few years back um, over the flat earth conspiracy concept. And Philip took off on the internet after that with really awesome research and investigative work on mud floods. In case you don't know what that is, just look that up on uh, any search engine and you will somewhere in there find Philip. And so tell us about your podcast, uh, YouTube channel, so on, on your mud flood investigation. Yeah, generally it was started to you know, discuss the situation with giants and uh, the so-called alternative history that's supposed to be uh, researched. But nobody actually does this research because, you know, historians are always uh, so, you know, so jealous about somebody else trying to tell how things actually were back in the days instead of them. So, I mean, they don't like it. And so what they came up to tell us is that the mud flood was actually the process of cultural layering. Then we tried to, you know, debunk their explanations and actually did fine because, you know, cultural cultural layer doesn't even fit in this evidence that we observe. So then they decided to, uh, you know, 
and describe it as some process of uh, horse crap uh, deposit on the streets. So, I mean, uh, so the new theory came up uh, to be a horse crap theory. Also, it doesn't work, although there's probably a bunch of horse crap in that theory. Uh, so if you see what I'm saying. <laughs> I, well, I see. So then they tried to say it, oh, it was just basements and that didn't work too, and so on and so on and so on. Now I'm trying to fight with people who say it was just some, you know, enormous amounts of melted buildings that, you know, melted of some melting discharge and so on. So this is like a ridiculous time uh, because a bunch of people trying to pop up and, you know, shut down this topic with a bunch of disinformation is what you said before about a lot of disinfo that is going around these days. And so I'm trying to debunk those people too. This is pretty much how it's going right now. Well, and so the mud flood concept sort of came about by finding photographs and evidence of buried buildings that are post world flood, biblical world flood era, whether or not you believe that there was a worldwide flood or not, this is post that that time. And when you find, you know, they go in and excavate around old buildings and they discover, you know, windows that are half covered up and doorways and lower levels way down farther than people would have built basements back then. And even if they built basements, they wouldn't build them with doors and windows in them. And uh, because basements are tunneled into the earth. So when you start excavating and finding all of this, then somewhere, somehow people have to come up with an explanation for how that came to be. And the mud flood concept is that there had to be some kind of, uh, and it's not everywhere, it's only in certain locations, but there had to be something event that happened that is not recorded as a, you know, tsunami of mud that came through a town or a village or a city and just buried everything. And then they just built on top of it. And so we don't care what's underneath of there. Don't worry about it. Yes, exactly. But, you know, generally, I'm talking about one event that took place supposedly in the 1820s to 1850s, somewhere in that period. And it wasn't simultaneous. You, you, you're right. It wasn't a global wave or something. It, it was just an event that took place in a bunch of cities that, locate, that are located everywhere and on, on every continent is what people sending me the footage from. I can see the same uh, things everywhere, except that maybe somewhere it was excavated already and you don't have that evidence now. That's the only reason that you might not even observe it in that town. But anyways, if you research the, the archives, the pictures of construction and, and so on and so forth, you, don't want, you won't find any photographs of construction of those mud flooded buildings, of course, and uh, no blueprints or anything. So it's like, you know, Sometimes it's it's like comparison research of, of the pictures of today and before. Sometimes you go to the place and find out the real estate's uh, leasing, uh, you know, internet posts when people just put the certain address and, and a certain location with pictures and how much that is it worth. 
you go there check it out you find out that those windows were actually bricked up and you see the basement below those levels so it's kind of makes sense because if you find the basement below the level that is currently buried you you might suppose that it was flooded or some somehow filled with mud and obviously this is how it looks today so this right. is where i'm on well and that that information that research has uh taken a lot of people into a lot of different directions like the tartarian thing and uh the the possibility that the world existed in one form and then maybe there was some kind of a reset and things carried on on top of what used to be there before. And That's so, and so that also leads into the, the, you know, the investigation into all the giant structures and giant stones and giant doors. And why is, why, why for a while were there, buildings with so many giant doors like what was the reason for building doors so tall that uh you know you see a normal sized human today standing in front of that door and you say why why did they why did they build these doors so tall and then it leads you to well were there giant giant people back then i mean 15, 20 feet tall. Yeah, it ended up that in 19th century, we had two different kinds of people because the pictures show uh, in 19th century, 18th century, the pictures show that people were different size. I mean, some people were half tall uh, and some people were like twice as, as the size of a pe person nearby. So, I mean, uh, probably some sort of sort of giants, so some sort of people who, with this, the larger scale of, you know, skeletons or something probably existed. Okay. And that's why we see so many gigantic doors, so big windows, so big ceilings, the mirrors that appear to be hanged somewhere where only person with a giant, gigantic height can actually check himself in the mirror. So this is why. Right. So on to another topic. Once you become a researcher to the depth that you have become about one specific topic, for example, like mud flood and giants and and so on, you learn to have a certain ability to research. And so you look in different places and you dig deeper than page one of Google and so on. And you look for documents, you look for photographs, you look for, um, you know, old historic uh, writings and books and so on, instead of just what's on page one of Google on the internet. And that becomes a talent uh, and one that many people have learned to master compared to the masses out there who just sit on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram and see somebody post something and they post it as if well, this is the gospel, this is the truth, and because I said so, and because I have this one little bit of evidence that could or could not be something you can prove, like a photograph that's been photoshopped or a photograph of one thing that somebody says is another, um, the tranny investigate, transvestigation stuff, and so on. And so 
once you become very adept at researching things and and proofing with evidence and not just one bit of evidence but multiple avenues of evidence then you realize just how much crap is on the internet and how much disinformation and purposefully put out there disinformation misinformation propaganda um and you get to the point where you know it it actually becomes very disheartening it becomes just like whatever i just i can't even plow through all of this stuff anymore and what's the point and you know how do how do you get to the point where you actually can have a bona fide belief system you know that that you have empirical evidence about and so i'm sure you're like me you've you've run the gauntlet so to speak on on trying to research everything that comes along and debunk the garbage and then you run into all these people who are like oh you're just a butthead you don't you don't want to believe anything you want to be the guy who's always or the girl the woman who is always contradicting every you know conspiracy theory out there just for the sole purpose of doing it how have you come to handle that and how has it affected sort of your psyche your um, your emotional and, and logical sense of reality out there. Yeah, first I was blamed to undermine Western historical paradigm by some guy. I don't know if he was a truth, actually, probably just some hater or, you know, mainstream history lover, somebody like this. Then I start to be attacked by truthers, like, like some big channels, uh, wakey, wakey, uh, you know, a bunch of big channels actually uh, made the video like mentioning me in some sort of, you know, disrespectful uh, way or something. And so I wasn't like fighting always, but, you know, trying to fight back is okay. But, you know, it's it's like becoming a paranoia or some sort because you, you started to check who is actually attacking. I'm actually, uh, you know, familiar with this uh, information uh, searching and finding the people because I, I it's my daily job to do that actually I do a bunch of search on the internet so I probably always can find a person if he is online in some way so he leaves some tracks and so I you know find out if he's actually not a shill if he's just a you know simple man who is trying to be hateful of some sort so then I just leave it alone and don't, you know, waste any time on him. If I find out that he's some actor, like from Hollywood, like one director from Hollywood made a bunch of videos about me. So I found out who he is, found out that he is actor, his films, his roles and so on. So because he was anonymous, he was, you know, naming himself without any actual naming and so on. So I can find a person and if I see he's a shield like Simon Dan, uh, of some, you know, try to attack my topic. I found out who he is, that he is just a tutor, uh, astronomy and mathematics and doesn't have any scientific degree to, to be like, you know, some sort of opinion leader or so on. Because none of his videos actually consist of any proof. 
that is actually done by himself. He always referring to somebody else's research, not his experiments or research. This is like totally painful and business on debunking is what actually pisses me off when those people just pop up and try to debunk you, make money on that, you know, make Patreon donations and so on. This is actually what is wrong. And I don't want to, you know, actually waste any more time on that, but this is actually pisses me off. Well, I can, I can totally concur with that because I spent five, six years with the flat earth conspiracy channel, uh, you know, doing debunking of the flat earth model and the flat earth dogma and was attacked relentlessly by top channels and, and top video makers and so on. And they attack you personally, or they just, you know, dog your information, but they don't counter it with any valuable research at all. It's just their opinion versus your research. Well, if you want to put your research up against my research, now we're e now we're even. Now now we have something to you know debate. But if you're just going to attack what I've said and and get angry and try to get all of your followers and cult members to join with you to hate on me or anybody else, that's that tactic, that method is is so boring and five minutes ago that I, I won't even engage in it anymore. And so it seems like most of those people forget or ignore the purpose, the reason why we're doing the research in the first place. It isn't just to be a contrarian. It isn't just to be no, known as, uh, you know, uh, some internet personality. It's for the purpose of getting other people to question and other people to think about what you're presenting, what you're showing and what your argument is. And that's not for everybody. I mean, a lot of these uh, people that are on YouTube and, and, you know, other social media are really just trying to get attention to themselves and, um, and become a known personality. That's not my purpose at all. I mean, I'm putting my name out there because I'm actually asking valid questions and making valid arguments against what else is out there. And I'm doing it for the purpose of other people who are also questioning. And, you know, we didn't get 13 million downloads on Flat Earth Conspiracy podcasts for nothing over those years. They were from people who were genuinely interested to see what the counterpoint was to the Flat Earth model and dogma and uh, cult mentality. So moving forward, now I have people who say, well, what do you think about this? And they're asking because they respect my you know, ability to research or to question things. It isn't because they can't come up with their own opinion all by themselves. They just want maybe a thinking outside the box kind of, uh, of uh, Im impetus, I guess, or, or, you know, someone to make them think of it a way that they haven't thought about it before or look into a direction of, in, you know, of investigation that they hadn't thought of. So, 
it goes that way with everything on uh, topics on the internet today. I mean, it doesn't matter whether it's health or pandemics or vaccines or politics or religion or any of it. Everybody is so divided and subdivided and even yet more subdivided into what they believe that it literally comes down to what degree of programming are you under? <laughs> exactly. The pe people get emotional because, you know, they get, they've been locked in their homes for, for several months, actually. And, you know, that's uh, putting on the mask is not helping the person to feel himself, uh, you know, fine and 100% active. So, I mean, you don't see emotions of people and you disintegrate with society. You become more emotional. You become more stressful. You you produce cortisol, this hormone of fear and stuff like this. So you don't go outside as, as much as you were before. So you don't get all these vitamins and, you know, vital information and from nature because all this information, all those frequencies actually healing us when we are stressful. You can go to forest or maybe to the sea and in a sunny day and uh, catch a good vibe and forget about all these bad things that's going on. But, you know, for a year or so, they're pressing these conspiracies uh, in, uh, you know, pandemics uh, to, to real life. Actually, what we see is what was happening in the 70s because this research of coronaviruses was started actually in the 70s. Uh, in, in, in late 60s, uh, the DuPont group, uh, which was producing a bunch of chemical weapons and bioweapons even used in Vietnam, like Orange, Agent Orange, if you know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So this lab actually hired one British uh, doctor who created the first version of human transferred, transmitted coronavirus, and he actually recorded that. And about the same age, the Roman Club was started in 1971, and the first time the coronavirus actually was published as coronavirus was 1971. It was named in, in his uh, scientific studies. And the Roman Club also declared the, this, uh, this great reset narrative that we can read right now in Klaus Schwab book. It was all declared in 1971. The sustainable development, all this inclusive capitalism, all this uh, build back better, all this stuff, all... It was in during the Roman Club in 1971, and then they started to wrap things up. Uh, they started to change priorities, and they started to forget about people. Now we need them more than they need us. They want to get rid of most of us, and so actually, this is survival uh, between national, you know, agents like countries and big unions like you know, EU and so on, with gigantic economy, economic players like corporations who also want to take a bite of each other and actually um, creating all those bubbles right now, which about to be popped. And so perhaps a new crisis is, is on the way. Who actually knows when it's happening? But we already see that all these prices that are raising on metal and things like we used to buy twice as cheap and it's not stopping. You know, all these things, except our incomes are raising. All these prices are raising, but the incomes are still the same. 
and this is happening in all the countries. I, I'm thinking about that uh, only several will make some money on this crisis, but the rest will just lose and beyond the economy, too many social integrations are going to be, uh, you know, ruined. So people will forget about society. People will be dependent on this universal income or average income system, whatever, you know, that system that they're going to be presenting too much and probably advertising it as the only way out. So people will be receiving just some income that is the like universal income or whatever they can call it. Probably you yeah, have universal basic income, UBI. Yeah. yeah, and this is how they're going to buy us for several years, several decades. And after that, they won't use it anymore. And probably everybody will be suffering from hunger or I don't know how it's going to fall actually what countries are going to survive this uh, actually unknown because most of the countries will be affected most of the countries well i would say that it looks like the and it sounds like and is you know being written that we used to hear for years and years about the new world order and the one world government and the agenda to do that. And I don't think that agenda has ever come off the table. The way to control the world is to con control all of the governments and to have one group, one hidden hand group in charge of everything and everyone and every country and all the land and all the resources and on and on. And so if you dig down deep enough into Agenda 21, Agenda 2030, the Great Reset, uh, World Economic Forum agenda, you can easily see that the, the, these think tank groups have been putting together plans that are so in-depth and cover everything. I mean, everything from people management to land management to resource management, government, religion, the whole nine yards. And so it's pretty hard to ignore at this point that that is a clear agenda. I mean, they have stated as such. And obviously, they always stated as this is what's best for everyone and best for mankind and humanity and the world and you know, save the earth and the whole, the whole, you know, there's no argument that that should be done. It's just who should be controlling it. And it, you know, when it gets down to the point where the masses of humanity are like, so we don't know how to fix it. So, you know, that's why we have governments and that's why we have these big organizations and, uh, you guys figure it out. You have the access to all the smartest people and all the money to make the plans and agendas and put them into play, put them into action. The problem is, is, you know, like I always say, and I, you know, most people are probably sick of hearing it. Any tool can be used for good or evil. You can use a hammer to build a house. You can use a hammer to bash somebody in the head and kill them. It's just a hammer. And that's the way these tools and agendas and, and organizational groups 
uh, have to be looked at now. Okay, it's just a tool. It's a neutral concept, but it depends on ultimately who's in charge of of how the tool be, will be used. Well, exactly. So, it's about propaganda and uh, actually the brainwashed mainstream media that is, you know, pushing all this stuff together, all these instructions, how to use this or that certain tool. They're actually programming people to be a tool, right? Uh, and sure. programming special social groups to be a, a social tool because they don't want to use governments and governance anymore. They want to use digital surveillance system, social rating system that is going to be self-governing. The people won't, you know, don't want to pay any taxes. Let them not pay any taxes. Let them pay high prices instead of that and pay taxes. Okay, yeah. so this is just another way to steal money. If you if you hear something like Great Reset, Inclusive Social uh, Capitalism, uh, which is actually part of a socialism because sure. inclusive means that you participate in everything. Unless you participate, you won't get paid. You won't get any food. So you have to participate. Even if it sucks, you have to participate. So this is socialism, actually, the socialistic system that we actually lost in Soviet Union. And uh, very cool capitalist features that actually everybody loved, that they bought everybody. They bought Europe with this. They bought USA with this capitalism. Uh, a bunch of people arrived in USA to make uh, their dream come true, right? A bunch of people populated uh, Europe, a bunch of migrants from all those all these countries. And now they, you know, they're just the migrants, the second sort, sort of people. And uh, they are not integrating. They're speaking their own languages. They're like living in their neighborhoods. They want to... They want to destroy the system because they want to get paid and do nothing. So it's like one country is having problems, another country is, you know, pretty much fine with migrants. But in general, migration right now is different from migration like 100 years ago when migration was welcome, right? So. Right. And the system is still the same. They just let people in. They don't check those people anymore. Right now, it's like majorly only male, uh, average uh, age people, young people, which don't don't want to work anymore, right? So they just come to get the green card or some sort of visa, and uh, you know, make some universal income, of course, or social payment and a free apartment, and you know, go somewhere, just waste their time on the streets with their fellows, speak their own language, don't integrate to the social communities around them and make those neighborhoods ghettos actually it looks like that's a similar kind of thing you know that's happening in the united states is all these immigrants coming in from um, southern south american central american countries and they're supposed to integrate into american society and they most of them go don't have any interest in really becoming a citizen. They just want to come here and live and come here and get some work and send some money back to their family and their country they came from. And they take years, if they ever do, learn the language and, uh, you know, play by the social system, social structure that's been going on in America forever. And so, but... 
when you get to the point where you try to get above all of this and kind of look down the zoom out theory, get up on the macro level and look down to the micro level and try to figure out, are, is this just natural evolution of human society and, 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 and structures? Or is this all being orchestrated by so-called hidden hand that is, you know, putting together programming um, people's minds or using the media to program people or however they're doing it? And, and I wouldn't say it's just one way. It's always multiple methods used for any purpose. But it looks like, you know, they're they're trying to push as many people as they can into the cities and into certain countries and is the ultimate goal to ruin that country or is it to get just get people to move out of certain areas is it for the purpose of getting them all together so they can mass kill a bunch of people or put them in hunger games kind of scenarios or what and so once you start asking those questions which usually every, every bit of research i do it always includes why and and who benefits and if you you know try to look at something new and you say okay well then why and then who benefits it puts you off in a different direction than you may have gone into because you if you had not asked those questions so if depopulation is an agenda and it's written in a lot of the programs that not that they're going to genocide people, but that they wish that there were less people. So you can't just sit around and wish there are less people unless you actually intend to do something about it, because otherwise, what's the point? Just like in China, you know, they years ago went to the one child system and in, if you had two children, you were punished or it was taken away or, you know, you were aborted or whatever. I mean, they were serious about it. And then in 2016, suddenly they decided, well, now we're going to go to two children. And then just recently they raised it to three children. And it's one of the most populated countries in the world. And yet their, their you know, their aging was happening. It was like suddenly their their whole population was was aging and they didn't have the the people to replace the elderly that were dying so going to start dying off and if you want to become the strongest country in the world you got to keep your numbers up right or you have to have the military to to combat the other big superpowers and so on so each one of these things it it it's kind of like you look at it from two different perspectives. One is, are they reacting or are they proacting? And that's where you you have to get a grip on, well, which one is it? And I think it's both many times because they make these agendas and then they realize there's consequences, unintended consequences that they hadn't thought of. And so now we're going to try something else. Yeah, it looks like previous reset was orchestrated and I found connections uh, from those groups of people to current days and uh, 
bunch of uh, signs are still visible. You can track those groups. You can track uh, where they mutated to, where they located right now, and majorly operating because they're still going on. That's why this term of reset was mentioned in a bunch of times before this great reset narrative that popped up last year with Klaus Schwab book, although it was already popping up like in 2010 and 2011 when some people wrote, uh, some person uh, at the Aspen Club, uh, you know, presented his book, Great Reset also. So probably Klaus Schwab just stole the idea from that guy, uh, put up COVID-19 on a, on, on a title and like, you know, became a new book uh, writer. But actually he was talking about the same thing that with that Aspen Club guy. But anyways, I was talking about the reset as a, as a technology of actually, uh, you know, resetting, which is not just restarting something, which resetting is bringing it to the point zero when actually uh, everything is erased and started all over again in new variant and a new stage or new layer of things, which is quite different with those before from those that were before. So it's probably going to be something else after this reset is preceded they call it great reset because it it's going to be preceded not only on biological level and the population question is very interesting i agree with you uh i have been i wanted to talk about this uh free kid politics in china but look at europe they don't have any of these politics and the europe reproduction rate is 1.2 1.3 1.5 in some countries and uh, the rate of actually population to be stable is has to be built, uh, above 2.3 which is 2.3 kids per one women okay we don't have that rate anymore in europe we don't have that rate in russia i believe we don't have that rate in most of the countries maybe we US... don't have that rate in the united states either well you have a rather close one so uh so it's not that terrible you can still reverse it and, well, uh, the reason why we have it, and I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but the reason why we have it is because we're economically more capable of having more children and supporting them than, you know, lower socioeconomic countries. Yeah, perhaps, perhaps. And perhaps you have a bunch of uh, um, programs for those who can just arrive and uh, make pregnancy successful in your country and get a citizenship after uh they you know have a kid there so i mean they pay money and i know you know it's cost like about hundred thousand dollars to go to usa and have a birth you know uh, procedures in the hospital so this is actually equals getting a green card and so on and so on so some people use this technology to arrive to usa and uh, stay there but anyways I, I wasn't trying to talk about that i i was saying that why do they need this reset why do they need to bust this population bubble? Um, because in some areas, the numbers do just don't add up. Because in China, if you count the territory of China, you count all those cities, you'll find out that three, two thirds of territory of China isn't, it doesn't fit for, for living. I mean, you cannot, you know, do agriculture there. You cannot do anything. So right. they live only one third of, of their territory and they, there's plenty of other places and they can actually go there, construct something, but they don't do it. A bunch of rumors about empty cities in China where they can, you know, build a bunch of empty cities uh, and 
people were saying that, that this is for the reset for for somebody else to arrive to china when all these reset procedures were you know complete but i don't think so because i was checking those uh, empty cities and i found out that they have been populated just at one second it simultaneously starts like and in a month it's full of people so i've been researching this topic so all this reset uh, and empty cities in china uh, and all this footage is isn't valid actually so uh, and they were supposed to start this reset in china why didn't they do it because probably this was used to for, for political issues this time and this is just a practice because they've been saying it's a live exercise on the meetings um, in front of uh, media they've been calling it a live exercise trump trump even said you should have told us you should have let us know uh to mike pence who actually said that right. it was live exercise so i mean this is just live exercise and uh, coming soon what's coming soon is a great reset so i i think when you look at sort of the whole um concept of utopia which er everybody you know, it's tried to get to some place of utopia for a lot of decades, if not centuries. And intelligent people have written scads of books and reports and documents and, and studies on what would it take to create a utopia on earth. And we know that one of the key things that is going to prevent a utopia is war, yet the world stays at war perpetually somewhere all the time. And another form of utopia is shared resources. And that's never happened and never even come close to happening. Um, you know, I remember years ago visiting the Venus Project and Jacques Fresco's concept of a resource-based economy. And everyone laughed and said it was socialism or communism and, and so on. Yet, when you look at the Great Reset, there's all kinds of uh, comparisons to Jacques Fresco's resource-based economy concept, only instead of everyone sharing in the world's resources, uh, they're, they're, they're never going to get to the point where they're going to allow that because that truly would be, uh, I mean, that would have to be controlled by some AI rather than humanity because you always have to factor in greed and corruption and power mongers and all that stuff. There's so many problems that you try to tackle one and it, it, it has tentacles into almost every other product problem. So you'd, you'd have to tackle all the problems at the same time. Well, I think in, in their own thinking of a utopia, that's what the Great Reset, um, you know, agenda instructions is based on, that if we tackle all of these problems at the same time, then we can actually make a dent in the world's problems hunger and inequality and, you know, the ruination of the world by carbon, blah, blah, whatever. And, and so it is a very intricate, in-depth 
uh, agenda and and plan. I mean, you go on the World Economic Forum website and you start digging into that big circle of all of the topics and then the subtopics and the subtopics under that. You can spend weeks just investigating each one of those drop down menus and and it's like wow they've thought of everything the problem is is the people don't know about the plan and they don't know what's contained the general masses don't know what's contained in all of that and so there how how would you have what is considered general consent and consensus from the people when they don't even know what the plan is and it's almost like well, this is a great plan and it's for your own good. So you don't have to worry your pretty little heads about it. We got you covered. Yeah, exactly. That's why they, you know, bring this fashion to society, utopia fashion, I mean, because look at the Netflix, look at this whole mainstream platforms. They all consist of several categories of movies and the most valid and most uh, recently, uh, you know, added movies like and series like army of death you know uh the stand of stephen king remake for example and plenty 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 of you know pandemic shows and series you know you know don't forget about the zombies zombies everywhere so (laughs) this features uh, these uh, apocalyptic you know fashion in in clothes look at the clothes right now they all they all like creeped apart they all like looking dirty actually this is like showing us this fashion is promoted by the mainstream and look at this like festival burning man it's like bohemian grove but for the for the geeks and for the opinion leaders in the internet they come there for for seven days and live in a desert in the mad max interiors and uh, exteriors in nature of a sandstorm in nature of a mud in the nature of the lake that was probably previously mined by the ancient miners and right now dry and consist of all this uh mud muddy salt or whatever it's called the solution alkaline they say it's mm-hmm. consists of alkaline so i mean people are adoring this festival they come there they spend like tens of thousands of dollars for this utopia for seven days they're creating this black rock city there on this black rock lake and so on so and these people actually working for this big tech corporation mainly there's a bunch of people from amazon there's a bunch of people from facebook there and google and so on they just like seventy-five thousand people arrive there each well year. you know they co-opted that Burning Man's been around for a long time. Yeah, and, and it was it was from San Francisco. Yeah, the hippies and the counterculture kind of thing, and now it's become the hip place to go and be and do and be seen. And that's that's pretty typical. So many times of what happens to something that starts out as organic and then turns into astroturf. What I found out is actually 19th century reset teams were called bomberos. Uh-huh. And bomberos are equal to firemen. And so uh, there's a book called Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury that's also mm-hmm. uh, describing this concept, how they were burning books, how they were brainwashing washing children after the reset. Mm-hmm. And they were like, you know, we used to put down the fires 
why are we like burning everything right now? And those people at the Burning Man are also burning each day. This is like hidden symbolism in every good thing. You, if you don't, if you can't prevent something, you're just supposed to lead it. And that's why I think those people, uh, you know, just zombie, zombie, and all this, you know, brainwashing all those maybe pretty good IT companies uh, employees that come there, and they integrate this feeling that this apocalyptic world, this you know, future world of total socialism and free stuff, because everything is free there. If you know, and uh, they like don't pay any money except that ticket entrance. And right, nothing... it's all sponsored. So it's nothing sponsored. People bring money with them. Yeah, so it's like you know they pay for it actually, but they don't take money from others. And uh, so uh, what I was trying to say that the symbolism is very simple. Um, so if. Right now they are called burners. Back then they were called bomberos, and these people were serving somebody's ideas, somebody's psychedelic experiments and plans uh, in these post-reset communities. And this is how they brainwash the future cattle for for those operations, future actors, future players, future I don't know allies for them. Right. Well, they. It's historically that they always initially uh, influence the influencers, right? I mean, you, you go and find and every plan that I've seen uh, that was pre-pandemic. It was like Event 201 and, and different, <clears throat> I guess, uh, orchestrated uh, ev- events that were based on if this, if then kind of concept. And every one of those plans always has in it, we ought to get the influencers to talk to the public and be the face of and the voice of what we want them to say and what we want the people to believe. And because they know that most people are followers rather than in individuals or or independent thinkers. Yeah, so, they buy the role models and uh, they right. make it a fashion. Right. And so with this great reset thing, you know, I mean, I laughed the first time I saw the first advertising kind of thing that Klaus Schwab did and and thought what what were they think what are they thinking using this guy i mean this guy looks like the epitome of some futuristic evil you know uh bad guy with a smile smirky smile on his face and he's saying things that sound good but if you actually really listen you go wow no thank you and so Yet, you know, all of the major corporations and the major countries and the the major financial institutions and organizations, the IMF and the BIS and and the World Bank and everybody in between have all signed on to this Great Reset World Economic Forum. They don't say the Great Reset so much as they say World Economic Forum because that sounds good, doesn't it? I mean sounds like we're all going to work together for the betterment of the economy and for the finances of the world's citizens and help everybody and 
create this whole hand up thing instead of hand out thing. And, and so everybody's signing on and it's the same thing with the, you know, the cryptocurrency, uh, decentralized finance platform. Yes, I I invested in cryptocurrency. Why not? It's coming. There's no stopping it. It's going to happen. And it's just like any other changeover. This great reset is, is going to alter the way we've done business, the way we think of money, the way we think of, you know, economies, of countries, the dollars and fiat currencies and everything. I mean, it's going to reset everything and it's going to happen whether we like it or not. Now, a lot of people got invested in the DeFi crypto concept early on because they thought it was going to, you know, ruin the banksters and make, make it so that people could transact peer to peer without the government's involvement. Well, cash has always done that unless, you know, you're laundering it and you get caught, but it's going from basically analog to digital everything. I mean, the entire world is being reset from analog to digital and you won't be able to survive very well unless you're really intelligent and really good at getting off grid you're not going to be able to, to to survive in this new great reset world unless you are in 100% into it digitally because that's where it's all going to operate every single thing's going to be digitized and i don't know how the russian government or the people are getting involved in the whole crypto phenomenon or any of that maybe you can touch on that and give you know, give me your opinion on if if you're on the side of crypto or on anti-crypto and why. Well, I think uh, if if I'm not wrong, Klaus Schwab was uh, in uh, in the Rothschild uh, group, uh, so I mean he is related to to that banking group. So, and he was the founder of uh, the forum itself. And as they say. This World Economic Forum is a club where billionaires tell millionaires how to steal money from the poor people. Mm -hmm. So this idea of Great Reset, as I said before, was uh, was uh, presented by people like Gerbert, Herbert Wells, who is like a an, an, an writer of uh, 19th, 20th century, the guy who wrote uh, first uh, The War of Worlds. Right, you know? H.G. Wells. He's not. Yeah, that yeah. He was the first one who is uh, who was presenting this concept. It wasn't called like that as, when he was around, but as I said before, they started to push it over uh, to the public in 1971. Then they started to wrap things up in in terms of you know spendings uh, in social uh, sphere and stuff like this because they were thinking of uh, this new world order so-called concept of changing things around and erasing the national structures like countries so to 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 control everything because the corporations still had this problem with some leaders of some countries so-called dictators and so on so they wanted to do it and they planned it pre-scheduled it and look who is around this plan uh the the prince of wales 
-hmm. He was the front man who was actually pushing it uh, all the way. He was in in all videos. He was, uh, you know, co-hosting stuff. And uh, uh, I mean, his uh, his his father uh, believed that he he's gonna he wanted to to die and become a deadly virus to come back and kill everybody. <laughs> and <laughs> there's no conspiracy in that. I mean, that wasn't. No, that was pretty straight up. He just said it. You know, it's like and, I don't care what you think. I'm just gonna say it, and there it is. Yeah, like father, like like son, and uh, so I mean, uh, the same people were controlling the previous reset because my research finds uh, find uh, found the the bloodlines uh, related to those who call themselves Windsors now. These uh, German bloodlines, actually, so called German, but we actually don't know their nationality, but they uh, all take part from uh, Holy Roman Empire. That mm -hmm. empire that was actually destroying the great Tartarian Empire and, uh, you know, conquering all the world. All these royal elites are, you know, one family. Russian, yeah. Rus yeah, Russians, uh, Russian czars were Germans, uh, British emperors, uh, kings and queens were all related to Germany. And uh, they even changed their last name because of that. Actually, they became right. Windsors because they don't want to be uh, Hopstadt or whatever their like last name was. So they like had uh, they even looked alike because Nikolai II Romanov was looking just as his cousin King George V from British from Britain. Like so they were even like you know two twins, <laughs> and uh, so uh, the same people operating right now. And they're gonna proceed with this stuff and look where they meeting right now. They're meeting in Wales, they're meeting in Cornwall, and they're meeting at Carly Bay. And my research shows that they love core, crown, all these words that start and related to corona or crown. Right. They just love it. And uh, this is the land of Prince of Wales, and he is the front man of the Great Reset. That's what I can say for sure. Yeah, well, I mean, he's put himself out there is obviously all in on the project and the concept and so on. And what's I find so interesting is they must be pretty confident in the fact that it's going to happen regardless of what anybody says about it because they're just so upfront about everything like Klaus Schwab saying you're going to own nothing and you're going to be happy. I mean, you know, don't tell me what's going to make me happy, dude. I mean, you know, I, I, I would share anything I have to somebody yeah. who doesn't have anything, but at the same time, ownership has been uh, a, a human tendency for as long as there's recorded history. This is yeah. mine. I he, own. He it. calls it stakeholders. Stakeholders. Yeah, right. It's like everything's going to be rented, and it's a very interesting correlation. It, I I might add to the the writings of Jacques Fresco from the Venus Project and the resource based economy because I went there. I met with him. I spoke with him for hours and took a tour of the facility. I mean, it's called the Venus Project because it's in Venus, Florida. It's just down the road from me. And 
I was very curious about the whole concept of the resource-based economy because it did sound very utopian. And but at the end of the day, you know, when when you listen to him describe something like, for example, why does everybody own a set of golf clubs that's a golfer? Wouldn't it be smarter if you just made the best possible golf clubs that you can make and just have them at the golf course and anybody who comes to golf just uses them instead of everybody having to buy their own set of golf clubs because that's a waste of resources that could be used for, you know, whatever else or saved or spread out over more people or whatever. And, you know, at the end of the day, that sounded very logical to me. I mean, why do you haul your golf clubs around in your trunk or keep them in your garage or in your closet and only use them when you're golfing? Does make a lot of sense to just have the best made golf clubs in the world at the golf courses. And if you only need so many sets for all the golfers that come, then you wouldn't need to own your own golf clubs. You could use that money for something else. So that's, this is the kind of thinking that they're trying to make us believe that they're moving towards with this, you won't own anything and you'll be happy, that we're all going to share the resources of the world. The problem, though, is who decides who gets what resources? Because we also are quite aware of things like the social credit system and the social credit score. And if you're not a good person or you don't follow the rules or you don't do this or you do that and you weren't supposed to, you get black marks against your credit score. And now you're going to be punished both financially, economically, and socially. Well, if that's how you're going to control your new system, you can shove it up your butt because I'm not interested in that. Yeah, very simple explanation because you've touched cryptocurrency and cryptocurrency was designed except exceptionally for this purpose. Mm -hmm. uh, for, for some 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 reason, somebody will you know say, "Oh, we're gonna use cryptocurrencies our assets," like you know Elon Musk said not that long ago. Then a couple of months pass, he says like, "Oh, uh, we don't want to use bitcoins as much because they create a a carbon uh, you know track." Right. So and the price Elon is Musk like is a, Elon Musk is a billionaire, spoiled, rotten, narcissistic. Yeah, but he is a market maker. But, of course, but he's a shill. And so he's shilling for them, just yeah, like so, they, all those billionaires do. And that's how they operate. They create news. That's why they need all this media. Uh, and that's why they own all this media. Because if they don't, they don't control the news, they don't control, control the flow of information, they don't control censorship, they, they, don't, they don't control this you know, media field. And so the opinion might be invalid to what they believe it should be. So uh, this is how the fact-checking industry uh, was given birth to. And that's why so many people are right now uh, employed as a fact-checkers and voluntarily help and, uh, you know, put all this report uh, buttons, which is like uh, creating so-called tier system uh, of uh, different users and each users user or group or a facebook page can be labeled as invalid or you know some maybe uncertain or hesitatable 
source and will not be presented to as much people as it could be uh, amid the, that algorithm that was actually created. And right now we have the censorship in search results. You won't find the right, correct search results anymore because no. all, all they believe is invalid will not be shown. And uh, that's why also so many platforms just pop up to be concurrents of those main platforms, but they don't work in, uh, as well. They don't have as much audience and this is not solving the problem. So they can even shut down the Twitter of a president, as you know. So yeah. <laughs> this is not a solving of the problem. And that's why cryptocurrency is also a bubble because they can you know, just release a new, uh, media wave of of hate towards bitcoin or ethereum or whatever currency or create their own currency and uh, claim everybody else currency not valid anymore as chinese said not that long ago said that they won't accept bitcoin in their government assets and so the bitcoin price plunged like twenty thousand in that day so i mean well all you have to do is to control the masses is a use the media b use influencers and c come up with what sounds like a plausible explanation for why you're doing it now they never tell you why or i mean they never tell you who it's for and they never tell you the big picture of why they're manipulating but if you understand the origination concept of cryptocurrency of Bitcoin as, uh, as a, um, a, an innovation, it was initially sold and designed as a, a, a counter a revolutionary way of getting out of under the banksters and, and cutting out the middleman banksters who were controlling all of the money and all the fiat and all the systems and everything. Now, anytime somebody comes up with an innovation, especially if it's designed to, to you know, sideswipe the, the, the ones who are controlling everything, they only have two choices of how to deal with it. They either are going to have to corrupt it or destroy it or make it illegal or whatever, or they're going to have to embrace it so that they can figure out a way to control it. Okay. So I believe that cryptocurrency did not originate with the powers that be or the hidden hand. Now that's just me, but I could be wrong, but I do believe that it was, it, it, it was co-opted immediately after they saw that it had the power to bypass their controlling economic fiat systems. So that being said, look at how many years it's been since crypto came to be originating with Bitcoin and, and how many years later, now all of the central banks are making their own central bank digital currencies, CBDCs. Now they're all, you know, trying to get the innovators to help them make their own versions and their own uh, rail rail tracks basically of blockchain and and their own walled gardens and so on and so forth so it's still up to humanity the average joe out there to figure out which way they want that train to go but if they don't do anything 
then there it's it's going to be taken over by the corruptors and because everything else has always just like corporations started out you can go all the way back to the origination of Walmart for example and you know they came out with their mantra about oh we're going to buy american and we're going to cut prices and we're going to make this you know mass available to everyone and it all sounded good and glorious until they moved into town after town after town and took over a lot of the small businesses that were the only suppliers of goods in in, in those communities it's all kind of leveled out over years because people, business people have figured out how to niche market and, and, and have businesses outside of Walmart's reach. But at the same time, Walmart is now one of the largest employers in the world and is one of the richest corporations in the world. And how many years ago did that start and how many years did it take for that to happen? Just like Amazon started out selling books and now it's the, it sells everything everywhere. One of the largest employers in the world, one of the richest corporations in the world. And so be beholden to the people who uh, are controlling all of that corporate megalopoly kind of idea are all the little people out there who are supporting it. All the people that are going, well, you know, where else can you get this or that in, in one day shipping or so on. And so then look at what happened with the, with the lockdown. Walmart, uh, any company that, that is online and ships made tons of money off of that lockdown. And at the same time, small businesses went under right and left. So if people can't see through these things and, and they get, you know, brainwashed into believing that it's, that's the only way it can be or too bad for us, it's, we got to go, we got to go with what's happening. Then humanity is doomed to let these guys take over life, the universe, and everything before it's all over. And there's not going to be anything they're going to be able to do about it the longer they wait. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of industries and a bunch of sectors of economics just, you know, had a huge decline, like tourism, air, you know, and other transportations. Right. And uh, I was talking about metals before. Right now, the prices are like three times more expensive for, for certain and metal is affecting every everything cars trains whatever ships and so on so you kind of write uh, about this situation and about mass uh, you know mass psychosis that we were observing and it did affect that people actually was were closing their businesses right now we don't see any help from government to to those businesses probably most of them won't be you know reviving and won't be starting over most of these uh, you know their facilities are you know closed and probably already sold to new owners so or got new owners for some for some reason in russia we we don't have as much vaccination uh, hysteria a bunch of people just don't believe it and uh, but we Glad had to hear that we we had a pretty 
severe economic decline with these uh, occasions started and uh, probably we lost twice over value in in everything so it's like they just claimed the inflation was around five percent but i think it was like 200 percent yeah and uh, not even saying that everything else in the world declined like even dollar and other assets they're just getting cheaper each year if you look at what was dollar in uh, in the 50s in the 70s you will find out that it wasted around uh, all of his its value so i mean and uh, everything is uh, priced in dollars and so if if everything price is rising only because the dollar value is you know disappearing at all is is dissolving well, bubble. it's actually it's actually not worth the paper it's printed on at this point, and hasn't been since it went off the gold standard. But you're right; the comparison of what the dollar yeah. is worth uh, from just the '70s to today, it's like you can you can see look at a chart and see it just you know zoom down the level of, to nothing, and but. That's another thing that's a part of this great reset is a lot of the countries of the world are sick and tired of the, of the United States having control of the world reserve currency, the dollar, the petrodollar. And so that's all a part of what's about to switch over. And that's why the United States is dragging their feet about this crypto changeover kind of economy and financial system is because they're trying everything they can to keep everything as, as attached to the dollar as they possibly can. And all the other countries, that's why it's being orchestrated by this neutral organization, the World Economic Forum, is because everybody's joining with them to say, okay, look, we're going to do this great reset thing. And it is predominantly based on economic and financial reset. The rest of it is just is just smoke and mirrors and distraction. The green economy thing, the green thing and all of that is just a, a cover up, uh, a veil, <clears throat> a veil, so to speak, of why they're doing it. Why they're doing it is to try to take control away from the United States. Uh, because, I mean, you, you can listen to interviews with Christiana Georgieva uh, and uh, uh, all these different ones that are in head of these different organizations. I can't say think of their names at the moment, but they're all using terms like a new Bretton Woods and when, you know, and leveling the playing field and you just listen to their, you know, their psycho speak and it doesn't take much for you to see through the the veil to what they're doing and why they're doing it and and so you know okay i'm i'm an american but and yeah i sure would like to stay uh as one of the wealthiest countries in the world but at the same time you know they're pulling at heartstrings that i have that if it's unfair to everybody else, then let's, I agree, let's level the playing field. But I don't want the playing field to be put in the judge's hands of the World Economic Forum either. 
So it's a catch-22, you see? Yeah, I was making the video on Great Reset with all those people in it, including IMF person and uh, Klaus Schwab a couple of times, the guy from Aspen Club, all those quotes. It's all equal. And uh, 1971, uh, do dollar was uh, untied from the gold standard. Right. Uh, right now, I'm in the process of making part two of my video in 1971 because the first one was around like uh, one and a half hour. Uh, I don't think uh, that is my target audience is actually subscribers of my channel because they were willing to uh, watch uh, Mudflood videos and Tartarian videos. But this is like, you know, uh, I, I, I was asked to make a video about 1971 when... Uh, that period that the change was actually uh, visible because, you know, we can clearly see how the things were turning uh, worse and worse since that period. Right. And right now we only witnessing the results of, uh, of all those actions. And uh, what I was willing to prove is, is that everything is tied up to the 19th century events. And those people who were monitoring and controlling and managing all those cases in different towns and cities uh, back then. Because what we see actually is the same thing that we saw in 19th century, empty cities. Probably right. they had some type of biological or intrusion or maybe same as what we have today, lo lockdown, when people supposed to be living in the, and not walking on the streets. So, I mean... And then we see all those orphan trains, all those asylums that, you know, appear in great numbers with beautiful, huge uh, mansions and uh, buildings uh, that were, you know, located at the asylums and all those people, you know, orphan houses in each city, uh, orphan trains and which were like riding around and picking up kids from everywhere. And you know, sending them somewhere else. I mean, th this is like ridiculous. They have, they even had like some type of factories when they were like, you know, putting all those kids there. Right. <laughs> I don't know. People were yeah, working. See, isn't it funny how you look at history and how they explain different things? Like, oh, we, you know, they had, they were working all of these children in these factories, and that's why we had to make these child labor laws. And it's like. Okay, well, why don't you tell us the part about how the reason why all the children were working in the factories is because you had very few adults to work because there was a some kind of a wipeout of masses amounts of adults and, and people in, in that in that time period. By the way, I found out that the clay which is mud flood, what, uh, the main ingredient of the mud <laughs> that is found around those 19th century buildings, the clay is the perfect absorber of anything, like biological weapons, corpses, and all this stuff that you're supposed to hide after, after the epidemics and pandemias, right? So Right. Oh, that's brilliant. That's a good, that's a good connection. It's kind of like, you know, hardly anybody who hadn't studied... Uh, biological history didn't they didn't know anything about the spanish flu maybe they'd heard about it at some point in school or maybe some basic little mention of it but suddenly when this pandemic came along now you know uh, 
suddenly you, everybody knows about the Spanish flu. And then the next thing you turn around, it's like, oh, see, all those people were wearing masks. Yeah. And then the next thing you turn around, oh, all the death or the massive amount of the deaths from that time period was not from the Spanish flu. It's from the mask wearing and the, you know, uh, the lung infections people got, bacterial lung infections and so on. It's like, man, this same history is getting skewed back and forth like a swing set. I mean, I can't keep following the the yin and yang of the spin that all of these, you know, media organizations are putting on stuff. It's amazing. Yeah, and what they were calling second wave is it's also from that period of time because right now, second wave is quite different from the second wave that they had before back then the second wave was called only after a person was already sick before and got sick for a second time and right now second wave is something like just hysteria I know. just just a way to ignite the media to you know start publishing all this coronavirus news again second wave third wave fourth wave fifth wave variants on oh, then then yeah. they became the variants right and so the if if you if you have something that worked to freak out the entire population of the world uh it, you're not going to give it up easily right you're going to work it for all it's worth you're gonna you're gonna go oh here it is again and oh it's changed a little bit now all you people who thought you had it you could get this second version or variant or whatever just to keep the same hysteria going longer and longer. And to me, it's nothing but stall ta tactics to continue to keep people off balance until they've got all the ducks in a row that they need to complete another part of their plan. And so if you're one who go all the way back to early last year and you look at it as um, from the from the very beginning, something about this whole pandemic thing doesn't add up. And then you start seeing lots of things that don't add up, like the hospitals being reported as being nearly empty and nobody seems to be dying in the streets. And you don't actually know anybody that died from coronavirus. And it just goes on and on. And then the preponderance of evidence becomes, this is just a big fat lie. What the heck is going on is why is everybody believing it? Well, how, truthfully, you can look at 9-11 and I remember watching it on TV on the day that it happened and going, wait, wait, wait a minute. Something about this isn't right. I've seen buildings imploded with with explosives before and this looks just like that don't give me this crap about you know a few hundred gallons of jet fuel melting steel and making these buildings fall down in their footprint and i and i started thinking that like from day one okay and you still have people 20 years later who if you say 9-11 is not as it was reported and not as the 9-11 commission report and so on they look at you and just go oh you're hateful you're stupid you're mean whatever and and so 
if you if you can't get to people in 20 years about something like like 9/11 then how in the world do you expect to get to people in one year about the possibility that all of this is just propaganda fakery hoaxy uh manipulation of of people period yeah, exactly as the flat earth and other uh, other conspiracies that are well known and actually have been proved uh I mean, there's a bunch of information about 9-11. There's a bunch of information in official sources and non-official sources. A bunch of people made their research and uh, look at this institute of fact-checking that is actually backing all this industry of, uh, you know, censorship because they rely on advertisers and advertisers don't want to be involved in all these conspiracies or what they say. They don't want to show their ads in, in, in someone's content, which is you know presenting hateful information is what they say, information <laughs> that is questioned in the official narrative and mainstream narrative. That's what they actually did this uh, last year with the, the supporters of uh, one side in political spectrum which it was not winning actually. And uh, so they called all those people domestic terrorists. Right. They made all this oppression to, to them. Uh, but look at the other countries. They only talk about other countries, the, the, the so-called uh, lack of democracy in other countries. And look what they do in, uh, in their own country. They just call in 500 people domestic terrorists for just walking around into into the place where they let him in and so (laughs) i I mean it's so bizarre isn't it philip i mean you all of these kinds of things and it's like almost every topic is such a yin and yang to it that if you believe one way you're an extremist if you believe the other way you're an extremist to the other group right Exactly. What we have uh, Russia blamed always for is the lack of the, uh, democracy and corruption. But if you take a look at the, the cases with the Biden family, uh, which was clear corruption and intrusion in other states' affairs and collecting uh, profits from uh, their positions, influenced by their father's position and all this influence. And, you know, nobody wants to investigate that. Uh, everybody wants to investigate what is mainstream, what is, uh, you know, welcomed by media, what is hi- on hype. Uh, and that's why I don't jump from this or that to, to the politics anymore, because, you know, I was pretty much disappointed by, by the other side because they didn't do anything. So that uh, made me thinking that you were right back uh, five years ago when you were saying that all those political parties are controlled by one actual uh, control inside and that's what my research actually shows that everybody is controlled by this uh, bloodline of uh, german emperors so-called german probably probably self-proclaimed german emperors and uh, self-proclaimed bloodlines so-called royal blue bloods and so on so somebody calls them black aristocracy but somebody calls them uh, also holy roman empire bloodline well i mean there's so many names for them because nobody actually knows can put actual names to them much because they are so hidden and so insulated that you know you've got the illuminati and the cabal and the so on i just call it now i just call it the hidden hand 
because I know that there's puppet masters holding the strings of all of the levels of people below them. And it's just like a big puppet show, only it's like it, like a pyramid puppet show. And each level of the pyramid has its puppets and the guys above them all have strings down to the guys below them. And yeah. so when, you know, if you can really put your finger on and identify the ultimate hidden hand, then then you might be able to do something about it, but probably not even then because there are so many layers and compartmentalization and and, uh, and and insulation between that person and and everybody below them, and yeah. nobody wants to think they're controlled. So even the people up the levels of the pyramid don't want to believe they're being controlled because they're being controlled in such a way that's either one of two things: it's either psychological con- control. Or it's they got something on that person that they can use. So they control, you know, they maintain control. And whether or not that thing they have on that person is is real or perceived, it's still enough to control that person. Because yeah. it's something they don't want the, the rest of the people out there to know. And so that methodology has been going on forever. Yeah. And so has the Machiavellian kind of control method of psychological control. Yeah, Rudyard Kipling was saying that the big game will, will stop only after everybody dies. And that generation of uh, late 19th century, early 20th century is right now uh, disappearing. All those people actually starting to die. And uh, we we see this change uh, that is coming up. The new elite members are starting to work with elbows to get this rebound of this global ball uh, paradigm and narrative of spending money for uh, for for useless projects for you know uh, for all these technologies that actually don't you know bring anything new to the people and just replacing their skills with some programs and applications and uh, stopping them thinking rationally and critically and all this uh, new information or digital economy digital uh, education it's all going to be controlled by somebody but no nobody knows who is going to be moderating that is it going to be a burner from the burning man festival or is it going to be a, a recent fact checker or is it going to be a nice person? Who knows? Or is it going to be AI itself? Or I mean, is it you, be you know, what is AI? I mean, you know, there's such a mystery around that application, word. Application uh, yeah, created by somebody. I mean, the, people are, people, they've put this kind of concept out in the people's minds that artificial intelligence is, is ultimately going to, you know, control and, and, orchestrate everything and then it's some kind of learning technology and that it's going to take over humanity and so on. The reality is, is, you know, we don't need to hear about quantum computing and artificial intelligence and all of that stuff. We already have that. We already have so many layers of what is considered artificial intelligence in operation now. I mean, 90% of systems are being run by some form of AI 
which is just layers of, of programming and applications that are managing systems. That's all, that's all it, government is. That's all, you know, the financial system is, all of that. It's all just systems. I mean, it's not any different than the, the founder of McDonald's who designed a, a system that can produce fast food fast <laughs> to the people with a, a lot of, you know, systematic mechanization, ordering, blah, blah, which was why it became the biggest franchise food place yeah. in the world, right? Okay. Yeah. And, and so, the franchise is brand, and brand is also connected to 19th century bomberos because what they were called, actually back then, they were called brandmeisters, and they were leaving firewalls, those brand walls. Mm -hmm. And brand itself is a fire in German, and uh, look what brand does. It cuts all the information about what brand is from the customer, and it it is invisible firewall exactly. like between logic. us and the purchase we don't actually know anything except what they tell us in the advertisement and all those brand legends that they publish everywhere in these public relation companies and magazines right. and news exactly. and everything so right. this is what yes. brand works for yes and so you don't actually know anything about who's making it what it's made from i mean you do but you don't you don't care because it's become a brand it's become it's so designed in san francisco and made in china yeah, that's what brand be is because everybody else is buying it and you know it's a yin yang thing again how did it become a brand well because they had good marketing and they sold to more people and they got the best position on the shelf or whatever and so on and so on okay it just doesn't happen overnight you don't buy your way to a brand you actually have to have a, somewhat of a decent product to go behind it. And then you have to have, you know, the systems in place to keep people believing it's the best, no matter what. I mean, just like the people of the world will use the word Kleenex for tissue. Okay. There's a, a hundred brands of tissue, but everybody calls it Kleenex. Well, over here anyway, you know, will you have me a Kleenex? And that's brand recognition, right? Yeah, and if Coca-Cola was uh, containing actually Coke, everybody is calling it <laughs> No Cola. wonder everybody bought it. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> it I mean, cocaine in it. <laughs> they they use different things to create this legend of something that you know actually attracts people because all that's prohibited is always attractive for for teenagers that's why they affect so much on teenagers that's why they use sports uh, they they use sports industry creating all those leaks of professional athletes that waste their time in these sports uh, winning all these big contracts and big money prizes everywhere being famous and what they do they actually advertise those brands and being brand ambassadors and having uh, a brand uh, being the brand frontman, and they even can can get get rid of the contract if they don't act right, if they don't yeah. uh, bend their knees, for example, if right. they don't respect LGBT or something, or you know, or Black Lives Matter or any yeah, other, yeah, yeah, or something else, and just get rid of the contract. It, when I was a kid, if you if you were on the cover of the box of Wheaties, 
which was a cereal. I don't know if you if that yeah yeah if I read. means anything to you. Um, and and so instantly that's like who you want their baseball card or that's who you know that's who you follow, and that's just human nature. Sadly, it's a it it's it starts out from practically birth that we start getting programmed with the, this kind of cultural belief system. And, you know, going back again to Jacques Fresco, one of the things that he said when I was talking to him was if you could neutralize all of the cultures of the, of the world and just have one culture, one belief, instead of all of these different cultures, because all of these different cultures, everybody wants to protect their own culture. They want to teach it to their children. It usually has a religion attached to it. And so you keep perpetuating the differences in, in people. And if you took away all of those cultural beliefs, I mean, just like the concept of if you were born in, in Florida, like I was to uh, my parents and I was born in, were you born in Russia or United States? In Siberia. Okay. If you were, if I was born in Siberia and had your parents in your life, how would that, even though we all have our own uh, personality and temperament and intelligence and all of that, it's such a huge factor as to what culture and what surroundings you're brought up in, right? Yeah, it's and a random factor. You get old enough to start questioning it. It's a random factor. You can't say for sure oh, this or that person will grow up to the, to the stage of uh, realizing that something is wrong. It's only, you know, the question of being informed, because if just imagine if that information will be like on the news and the mainstream, if it won't be hated or, you know, trying to be disrespected by the opinion leaders, like uh, just believe everybody else will, you know, start researching it. Because in Russia, we had this case. Uh, we had a certain TV channel that started to promote all this alternative science of history, uh, you know, all this flatterer stuff, and they got closed immediately. So, I mean, they are scared of this information. They are scared of criticizing their projects like uh, ISS, Roscosmos, all these cases that pop up. Uh, last five years shows that they're totally ridiculous in what they do. They don't even get embarrassed for for, for, for the waste of money, for all this uh, corruption and, uh, you know, scam that they've been, right. you know, there's criminal cases of scam in Roscosmos where people just take all the money from the project to Singapore or Hong Kong bank and just uh, leave it like this. Hmm. Putin comes to to the to to the place where rockets supposed to be already starting and sees a clear field with only foundations of some type of cosmodrome, and he's asking those people, "Where's the money? I've gave you all the money you needed, twice as much as you needed, three times, and nothing else is done. Nothing is complete." That's interesting. Well, it's it's you know I had a conversation with a guy yesterday. Um, about you know we were just talking about something else and he said oh that's as dumb as thinking the earth is flat and he didn't know me at all right so for him to say that i just kind of snickered behind my breath and thought 
uh, do I engage this guy or not? Because I, I I can't stand it when someone says, oh, you flat earthers, or that's I like believing the earth is flat, right? It's just a challenge to me. So I just ignored it and went on because it it the guy didn't know me. So he, if he'd have known me and he said that, then it would have been a slap in the face. So, but a little time went on in the conversation and I said, and I started to realize, well, the, he just now told me that he was an engineer at one point and that he, you know, took physics and, and, and worked at NASA. So I'm like, okay, I have to question him because I can't just let him, I just can't let this go. And so I said, well, you know, you're an educated guy and you, you engineering and, you know, you know, you said you worked at NASA. Would you agree that NASA is probably one of the most compartmentalized organizations on earth? And he said, yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. And I said, okay. And since you were in, you know, took engineering and I don't know whether you were an engineer or not, but you'd have to agree with me that when those buildings, those twin towers fell on 9-11, that something was very suspect about that. And he said, oh, absolutely. Every engineer on earth would have to agree that those towers didn't fall into their own footprint without demolition. And I'm like, cool, we're on the right track here. <laughs> and then I said, um, well, let me ask you something. And so I went into a couple of what are commonly called flat earth, you know, queries like, if the earth is 25,000 miles in circumference, uh, spherical trigonometry would require you to understand that that would be six inches per mile squared of curvature that you should be able to see. And what happens when you, and so I went into all that, right? Yep. And, and he, and so it turned into another proof type thing and another query and on and on. And he said, you know what? We've been talking about this now for a half an hour and I haven't disagreed with one thing you've said. And I said, okay, so let me ask you this. Are you ever again going to make fun of people who question the globe and <laughs> call us <laughs> flat earthers? And he said, actually, no, I never will again. Well, that's and perfect. that's all it took. That's perfect example of in being informed. If everybody could have such opportunity to talk some respected authority uh, person who has some knowledge on, on the subject, that would be nice. And that's what they're actually trying to break, this chain of uh, communication between people. When people sit in the home, they, they don't have access to, 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 to the crowds. Look at those uh, activists that were actually uh, battling people in the streets on flat earth and other cases and they did a good job a bunch of good videos a bunch of viral cases went out uh, online people started to repost it and it became popular the topic right. was hyped and uh, it was trending for quite long uh, the same was with, with mudflood trending yeah yeah the same was with mudflood tartaria everybody is right now is aware of that information and most of the people at least and uh, right now we have new information on reset which also was discussed before but wasn't hyping right now people trying to realize what's going on with that so i mean it's un un unwrapping 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 and we see it unfolding in front of our eyes and uh, i hope we will have uh, 
pretty much inspiration to cover all, all this information because my inspiration is is uh, you know uh, suffering big time <laughs> during this period but yet i'm still willing to do stuff and uh, probably would like to research more on uh, on space programs and all these uh, budgeting problems and the anomalies in their scientific research because they don't have any actual results in that too they don't have anything to brag about all they can you know tell us uh, is there the new technologies in video production that they use and probably that's it and so so i'm i'm willing to debunk new stuff but you know i'm just you know i have lack of inspiration these days and i hope it, it will change soon well i hope that um revisiting some things with me and looking i love your your idea of looking into the the re-reset of the reset information and that you will do a documentary because you do really nice documentary type stuff and and uh, it's very in-depth and and very dot connecting which is a very important part of it because if you if you just put information out there some people you know or lots of people will appreciate the information but if you don't kind of give them a little hint at how you connected the dots and why you came to your conclusions and why you have the hypothesis that you do and so on, it doesn't always get across to the listener. So kudos on that because you, you have done a really nice job on that. So we're going to end it here. Tell my audience how to find you and your research um, on, I guess it's just YouTube or do you do podcasts also? Well, I have pages on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, which are called pretty much the same, Facebook Druzhinin. I hope that will be in your title so everybody can okay, Google sure. that, uh, my name, and find me easily on, uh, on, on, on those platforms. So I think... Awesome. Okay. Uh, I hope that we have an opportunity to talk again uh, without waiting five years to do it. And uh, you're welcome back anytime you have some new stuff, especially I'm very interested in having you back to talk about anything to do with Great Reset. And especially if it's what you would call Great Reset 2.0 or Great Reset Revisited. So thanks for your time, uh, hugely philip and you have a great end of the weekend yeah thanks for invitation and uh yes i would like to be born in florida when you asked me i was I wanted to jump in and disturb you but you know i would like to be born in florida because it's it's really nice to live near the sea that's why i have uh, my other residence uh, is near the sea and um, just after my daughter will pass her test to to the college in in a couple of weeks we're gonna go to to the c2 and have a nice uh not only weekend but a couple of months i think of summer because summer is what we lack in 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 russia actually i know i know that sounds wonderful and i'm glad you're gonna get that opportunity yeah thanks a lot for inviting okay until soon then bye see you <laughs>